Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast in the global digital community that has rallied around it. During this emergency episode, we asked a global public health expert and national leader to update our community about the fast-moving coronavirus epidemic. Dr. Judy Monroe is the president and CEO of the CDC Foundation and is advancing priority programs that improve the health of people around the world and to prepare other nations to prevent, detect, and respond to dangerous health threats. Under Dr. Monroe's leadership, the CDC Foundation is currently supporting CDC's response to COVID-19, and I'm fortunate for Dr. Monroe's leadership, perspective, and guidance during this emergency podcast recording. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Monroe, welcome to our podcast being recorded at Halo Creative Labs, located inside of AngelMD's headquarters here at Catalyst, our healthcare innovation campus in downtown Denver, and for taking the time during your very busy schedule to record this emergency episode for our community. Great to be with you, Mike. Dr. Monroe, I'm grateful to have you on the podcast today to discuss the very fast-moving coronavirus story, what our community needs to know, how the CDC Foundation is helping with this global threat, and to ask some questions our community has submitted for this episode. But before we dive into this very important and timely conversation, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas with our guests and to interact with the entire community. And lastly, please take a moment to nominate other Passionate Pioneers for a future episode via our guest nomination form link, as well as subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on iTunes or Spotify, or click the link at the bottom of the episode notes. All right, Dr. Monroe, we typically take the time for an icebreaker session, but given this is an emergency episode, we're going to dive right into the pressing matter at hand. And with that, please know we are 100% going to have you back on a future episode to share with our community your longer-term strategy and vision for the wonderful work happening at the CDC Foundation. So Dr. Monroe, before we dive into current state, what's happening around the coronavirus, take us back a bit on your journey through this industry, through your work, and how you and the CDC Foundation are really well positioned to help the fight of this coronavirus threat. Sure. Thanks for the question, Mike. So my own career, I'm a family physician and started out practicing many years ago. Uh, And then along the way, I was asked to be the state health officer by Governor Mitch Daniels in Indiana. And it was during that time that actually we had H1N1. A little over a decade ago, we were in a pandemic, influenza pandemic. So I was involved with that. From there, I went to CDC and was a deputy director working at CDC during the Ebola response. And so I saw that epidemic play out from inside the agency. And then I moved on to becoming president and CEO of the CDC Foundation. Actually, my first day as president and CEO of the CDC Foundation was the day that the World Health Organization declared Zika a public health emergency of international concern. 
And so here at the CDC Foundation, we support CDC. And uh, I dove right in with my team to help respond to Zika, both raising funds and helping be an implementing partner for that. And now here we are with the uh, current uh, COVID-19 response. And we've been working pretty much around the clock to try to help support CDC and our uh, public health partners. Now, on your website, it states that the CDC Foundation is an independent nonprofit and the sole entity created by Congress to mobilize philanthropic and private sector resources to support the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's critical health protection work. What does that mean in this current state and this emergency that we have around COVID-19? What does that about statement about the foundation mean for us as citizens, as our, for our communities? What does this mean for us in real time? Yeah. So we are an independent nonprofit and we're really the partner to CDC. Anytime you have an emergency like this and hasn't quite been declared a pandemic yet, we're very near to naming that. This is a rapidly spreading outbreak that's now in more than 100 countries. I will tell you that government plays a big role, obviously, that with expertise, with funding, resources, they can marshal a lot of resources. But when something becomes this big and is moving this fast, they really need the public-private partnerships and uh, philanthropic support to help move this along. And we've got to stop this virus. We've got to combat the consequences of this virus. And to do that, it takes all of us. And so we at the CDC Foundation are in this space where we support through public-private partnerships and philanthropy uh, the gaps that CDC identifies. We have partners in the field, like our state and local health departments, but we also support the world. We've got partnerships with World Health Organization, with ministries of health and the country. A lot of folks don't realize that CDC has offices in a number of countries around the world. And at the end of the day, CDC really is the world's premier public health agency helping to support the science, the epidemiology, all of the efforts that go into a big response like this. And here it is. This is a very fast moving story. You are correct on that, Judy. And it is currently the week of March 9th. And of course, week by week, we're seeing this uh, story change rapidly. What are some of the things right now that the CDC Foundation is focused on? And is it more domestic? Is it international? Is it both? What are some of the things right now that the foundation is focused on? Sure. So you're right. It's moved quickly. And initially, when we were asked to help out, we were helping with the uh, quarantine. If you'll remember the folks that were coming over to be uh, repatriated here in the, in the United States, coming from Wuhan, China, and then they were on military basis. There are needs sometimes that arise for those in quarantine that are beyond what government themselves might be able to supply. Right now, what we're finding, and as we talk to our local health departments, and I will say our focus now that it's here in the United States, we really are focusing a lot on what our local health departments need and where CDC has identified those gaps. Those include, we need to start first thinking about the most vulnerable in our society. When we're asking people to be isolated and you're, you're asked to go into isolation when you've tested positive and you're asked to go into quarantine if you've been exposed to someone positive, and that means you don't want to have any contact with other people during that 14-day period so that you're not spreading the disease. Either you already have it or potentially have it, so that's why you go into those efforts. Imagine folks that are on hourly wage or they're you know, working jobs that they don't have any type of pay if they're sick. Those individuals are really challenged and they may not want to stay in isolation or quarantine because they feel like they need to work. 
What about the parent that has children and needs childcare? So those types of things we're hearing from our health departments that those needs are increasing. So we step in and we'll help with those types of things. So that's really been a big one. Communications. Although there's uh, federal funding that is coming and, and certainly government has resources for communications, we've got so many languages in the United States. I mean, look at Los Angeles. They just went into a state of emergency. They have a large homeless population and they obviously have people that speak multiple languages. To be able to get the message to the public in the right way is takes a lot of resources. So that's an area that we've been asked to up with. Traveler's health. What do you do now about travel? Do you take that spring break? Where are you traveling? So lots and lots of questions are coming to our state and local partners. We've got growing concern, obviously, about our long-term care facilities. Testing is an area that government is is standing up more resources to be able to test more as the test kits become available. But then that means we're going to identify more people for isolation quarantine. And if we don't do the testing away from hospitals, this is a big concern too. If the testing, if folks run to the emergency room to be tested, we're going to overwhelm our hospitals. We don't want to do that. So it's a time for a lot of creative uh, solutions of being able to have testing in the community uh, as an example. Um, so those are those are some of the things that are crossing our desk uh, that uh, and requests that we're being asked to help with. Um, also, reducing stigma is an area. Um, there were, you know, we had stories of people uh, not wanting to eat in Chinese restaurants uh, early in the in the response, uh, or children going to school that may, uh, you know, may be taunted uh, or bullied because of, of stigma because of all the messaging around this. So, it it just there's a lot to unpack and a lot of things that we need to have the resources to be able to meet these needs. Well, thank you for sharing that, Judy. And, and I do appreciate that overview. We did ask our community, our digital online community at passionatepioneers.com to submit some questions knowing that this emergency episode was going to be recorded during the week of March 9th. And I want to ask some specific questions from those community members. One of them, let's just start with the absolute basics. One of the members, community members wrote in and said, if I'm experiencing symptoms of COVID-19, where can I go to get tested? Yeah, so the best thing to do, you know, if you're having symptoms, that's going to depend on your own local community where to be tested. I always say the point of the spear is the local health department. So all of the local health departments in each county are standing up their emergency efforts. So looking, you know, honestly, probably your local health department on their website will have where you can get testing in that county. And then, you know, from there, of course, calling your own physician. Hopefully they've been communicated with from their local authorities where the testing is available. This is kind of fast moving right now with the testing because more and more tests are becoming available. In fact, I think the Gates Foundation just announced that they've helped fund the development of a home testing kit. So I don't know how those are being rolled out just yet because that hasn't been fully vetted yet, I don't believe. But the options are going to continue to increase where you can get the testing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And then also another community member wrote in and asked, in addition to hand washing, what one action does Dr. Monroe want individuals and companies to take to help contain and minimize the spread? Yeah, so hand washing, obviously, I'm glad they got the message that that's really foremost. It's very important for businesses to give people permission to stay home when they're sick. That's one we saw in H1N1 as well. If if folks don't feel that either their employer culturally allows them to stay home or if they don't have, if they're not paid, or the, the big thing employers can do is have 
the ability for folks to work from home as much as possible, the teleworking. But for individuals, stay home when you're sick or if you begin to feel ill. If you, in fact, have been exposed to someone that has tested positive, you need to self-quarantine for 14 days. Talk to your doctor about that. But it's this social distancing that will be very important. We just don't want to spread this virus. And speaking of spread, one thing that we're starting to see some nomenclature being used, it was first containment. Now we're going into this term called mitigation. For the layperson, Dr. Monroe, what does that mean? What are the, what are the differences between the two? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we do with containment is let's say you've got one individual. Let's keep it simple. One person gets sick, is positive for coronavirus. That person has come in contact with 10 people that were in close enough contact. The containment piece would be to take that one person, put them in isolation while they're sick and care for them. And then if they need caregivers, the caregivers or the health professionals would use personal protective equipment while they're taking care of the positive coronavirus patient so that they don't get sick themselves. And those 10 people would be put into quarantine. If that's effective and those 10 people, let's say two of them then get sick and we're positive, but then they're isolated for the duration of their illness, we've just contained that virus. You've just contained it if it's not spread to any other people. Multiply that times many in, in a community, but if it's done very effectively, you, you stop that transmission of the virus. What happens is once it goes into the community and we have wider spread, it's much harder to contain we still would use those containment measures, but now we go to what we call mitigation. And mitigation is where schools will close, as an example. Everybody begins to telework. The restaurants close. And we're seeing that, you know, in Italy, you saw it in China. Uh, Seattle has done some of those mitigation efforts. So when we're mitigating, now we're taking more drastic measures to make sure the social distancing is taking place because we don't know necessarily who's sick. One of the tricky parts about this is folks can transmit the disease when they're still asymptomatic. And that was a little bit of a surprise because this wouldn't be typically what we'd expect, but it's a novel virus. It's a brand new virus. So no one, we don't know until we begin to learn and see more about it. And that's what the scientists are working diligently around the clock to learn more about this virus as we see it spread around the world. And speaking about learning of this virus, and maybe we don't know the answer to this one yet, Dr. Monroe, but another community member asked, how long do you think it will take to contain the outbreak? Maybe we don't know, but I'll let you kind of think about that and and share with our community. Yeah, no, that's another really, really great question. And so the short answer is we don't know because we don't know if this particular virus will be more seasonal. It is possible that when warmer weather comes, we get into summer, that we'll see the cases drop off. That would be good news if that happens, because what we're doing, anytime you begin to get a new virus like this that we're learning about, containment is what you want to do, gets into community spread, and we have to go to mitigation. But everything we're doing is buying time, one, so you don't overwhelm your healthcare systems, and secondly, to give time for vaccines and therapeutics. You know, they're working very hard now to what medications, what antivirals might help treat this. And then a vaccine, obviously, will be primary prevention. We saw this with H1N1. We saw it come out in kind of the winter and spring, summer. It got better later into the summer. And then we had a vaccine by fall. So that's the hope there. 
So unfortunately, though, it's really hard to say how long this is going to last. Well, let's rewind the clock as well, Dr. Monroe. And given your previous experience with other outbreaks and epidemics, what successful approaches did you implement in the past for some of these uh, previous outbreaks and how these could be applied in our current situation today? Yeah, I'm a big believer that communication is core. When I was the state health officer in Indiana, we did very consistent messages to the public to make sure that at any given phase of the pandemic, as it was unfolding, that the public knew exactly what they did. I can remember, you know, it was, you know, wash your hands, cover your cough, stay home if you're sick. That was the message we had before the vaccine. And then once the vaccine came, the message was, here's where you get your vaccine, make sure you get one. and We had to marshal then lots of resources to be able to vaccinate people very quickly in a mass vaccination clinics. So hopefully we'll see a vaccine be produced soon. The other is really core public health. And I go back to the containment mitigation, isolation and quarantine are cornerstone. That's, That's how you'll slow it or stop it in some communities. And then the testing surveillance is something that we haven't talked, we've talked about testing, but surveillance is the the term used. You don't know what you don't know, and it's so much more powerful to have the knowledge. So to be able to test and know which communities it's circulating and understand better the transmission is going to be really important as well. And another big area of feedback that we received in the digital community at passionatepioneers.com was everything surrounding telehealth and those tools and those applications. Matter of fact, one of our community members uh, found on the CDC site, it stated, quote, leveraging existing telehealth tools to direct people to the right level of healthcare for their medical needs. Can you share with us a bit what CDC and the foundation, how are you viewing telehealth? How are you viewing these new applications and tools to help? help confront and fight this virus. Yeah, I love telehealth, so I better state that up front. It's such an incredible tool to be able to have. And now the technology has gotten, you know, so much better. This is a prime time. And, you know, I think we've, you know, like Zoom, even in your meetings. So <laughs> telehealth would be like having your meetings, uh, your business meetings where you can have the video conferencing and you feel like you're right there in the room. And uh, instead of being in person, you can be at home. Uh, in uh, isolation or quarantine and still be at the meeting. With telehealth, what you're doing there is keeping folks that might be sick from coming into the waiting room, as an example. Uh, So it can really help uh, if we ramp this up in in bigger ways. Uh, And then obviously it can be a, a much more personal way for an individual that maybe is beginning to have symptoms to be able to talk to their uh, physician and, um, Uh, talk through how are they sick enough to actually have to be seen by someone or can they be managed at home? Um, And once, if we start getting home testing, you know, you can imagine uh, how that might play out very nicely where we're keeping uh, possibly positive uh, individuals out out of the community. Um, So telehealth is is fantastic. I think uh, what we're going to see, I know, uh, you know, there was just the announcement about the federal funds uh, being released and some of those flowing through CDC and out to our local partners. I think you'll see some of that uh, funding uh, help support telehealth and and the increase in it. And it's also an area that as we bring in philanthropic dollars uh, uh, here uh, at the CDC Foundation, uh, we would we would certainly be uh, open to helping support that uh, as we hear from our state and local partners what the needs are. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Monroe. Is there anything else from your perspective that you're seeing in our communities, that you're seeing across the country that you would also like to share with our listening community? And I'll leave it open-ended to let you share what you see fit. 
You know, we, I think the one thing that we're beginning to see a little bit more of is, you know, folks are anxious as we see the markets, you know, <laughs> a roller coaster with the markets and people hear of more positive cases in their communities. Uh, naturally, people are, are heightened. They have a heightened alertness. Uh, what I would ask and what I would recommend to folks is make sure you're taking the actions just to protect yourself, protect your family. Those simple uh, things that we've talked about with the hand washing, the distancing. Stay away from folks that are sick if you're sick yourself. Uh, but we don't need, we don't we certainly don't want any panic, and we don't want folks to um, have undue anxiety over over these uh, issues. Um, so that that would be let's let's all just work together. Um, the it, the virus is the enemy. Uh, the virus uh, can infect any human on Earth, and if there's ever a time for all of us to come together collectively, uh, this is the time. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Monroe. Uh, very sage advice, and I do appreciate it. Uh, let's turn it on its head a bit. Uh, we want to get the community involved over at PassionatePioneers.com. There's been just some wonderful conversation and dialogue with leaders from around the world uh, that uh, are, are discussing topics just like this. And so with that, Dr. Monroe, what is one problem, need, or question that you or the CDC Foundation are kind of grappling with or thinking through right now that our community can, can contemplate and think through and offer feedback to you and your organization? Yeah, so I would say data, right? Again, um, the more that we know and the more information we have, uh, the the more precise we can be in, in stopping this virus and or limiting the spread. Um, so the big question is, you know, how do we, how do we crack open uh, the data around this? So how do we... Um, understand better movement of people and, and knowing where they might have been. Is the, are, what are those uh, uh, possibilities? Um, how do we use data? There's a, there's a big effort under data modernization for public health at large, and um, we can talk more about that maybe at another time. I'm pretty passionate about it, but the, we really need to unlock big data, lots of data around uh, uh, this, this particular um, uh, pandemic. So I would just pose that question. Absolutely. We'll share that and kind of leave it intentionally open-ended to allow these amazing minds and innovators that uh, are rallying around this podcast and the community to offer feedback, ideas, suggestions, and resources. Again, to our listening community, please head over to passionatepioneers.com. There will be an article posted for this emergency episode with Dr. Monroe and the CDC Foundation for you to offer up those exact insights, thoughts, ideas, connectivity points, or otherwise for Dr. Monroe and the Foundation to think through. So thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Let's also now kind of bring it down a bit. Let's talk about where can the community connect with the foundation? What are some resources online that you'd like to share with our community? Sure. So first of all, I, I would do a shout out. We we started a, our own podcast. Uh, we, we just launched season four and that's called Contagious Conversations. Um, and so folks can find that and uh, on our website, which is cdcfoundation.org. Uh, or you can find it on uh, all our episodes are on um, like uh, the Apple podcasts and the Google podcasts or, or wherever you might uh, find those. Uh, we do have a fair amount of social media. So our uh, on Twitter, it's at CDC found. Uh, and on Facebook, we're at uh, CDC foundation. Uh, and we're also on LinkedIn. And, and we try to share information uh, from CDC and um you know, from what we're hearing uh, on a regular basis. So uh, 
would love to have you visit uh, visit some of our sites. And we'll also be leaving all of those contact points in our episode notes, as well as the article within passionatepioneers.com and those resources for you to connect with uh, the foundation, all the wonderful efforts that they are undergoing at this time. Well, Dr. Monroe, again, thank you. While we are so busy as a nation and as a world to continue to fight against this epidemic, I want to thank you for your time today to come on our podcast for this emergency episode. Your work is needed now more than ever. We're rooting you on and we appreciate all the insights, all the ideas and suggestions you have for our community. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. <laughs>